Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. This is the Word the Lord dropped in my heart, and this Word is this, um, the struggle is over. The struggle is over. Yeah. Just think about it for a moment. The struggle is over. Tell your neighbor, the struggle is over. Um, the, the, uh, the enemy works extremely hard to get you and I, as believers, to get caught up in the struggle. You've heard the saying, the struggle is real. <laughs> How many of you, have, you can witness to that, right? The struggle is real. Uh, every day, it feels like the struggle is real. Some days, it feels like the struggle is more real than others. Uh, the struggle is real. Um, but the, the struggle um, that I want to talk about uh, this morning in our lives as believers is, is different. Uh, God has not called you and I to struggle any longer. Um, tell your neighbor, stop struggling. Stop struggling. Um, the enemy has been defeated. It's not that he will be defeated, it's that he's already been defeated. The devil's already lost. The devil's already lost. It was sealed in the blood of Jesus that was shed. It was sealed in the outpouring of the Spirit of God. It was sealed in the fulfillment of every prophetic word that God has given in the Old Testament and the New that He's continuing to fulfill today. The, the, the fate of the enemy has already been sealed. He's already lost. He's already lost. But the enemy wants you and I to get caught up in the struggle. He wants you and I to get, he wants you and I to get tangled up in the struggle. And if we can get our eyes, if he can get us to take our eyes off of Jesus and get our eyes on the struggle, then what will happen is we will continue to wrestle with what God has already defeated. We will continue to fight with, we will continue to struggle with what God has already overcome. And we will rob ourselves of walking in the power and the authority that God has called us to as believers, that He's called us to as His church. And we will continue to walk in the, the chaos that ensues from the struggle, from the fight that happens in our life. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1 says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we, were joined, we joined Him in His death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. Water baptism signifies exactly what happened when Christ died. He was buried in the tomb. Three days later, He rose from the dead. When you and I are baptized, our sin, our, our sin, all of the things, the, the consequences, the power, the effects of everything are buried, and when we are brought up out of the water, it signifies the new life that God has given us. It's, it signifies, it's the symbolism of being resurrected in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. Tell your neighbor, I'm brand new. Hallelujah. I'm brand new. So he goes on and he says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life 
as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Sin is very powerful. Sin is very powerful because the consequences of sin have, have, have power in our lives if we are not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says this, he says, And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Tell your neighbor, no more sin. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Tell your neighbor, I'm free. Oh, come on, say it like you're free this morning. Tell him, I'm free. Amen. Amen. So he goes on and he says this. He says in verse number 15, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness, living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he goes on in, in chapter 7 in verse, in verse number 4. He says, So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused those evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law... For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. <laughs> now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living by the Spirit. Well, then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, if the law 
If it was, it was the law that showed me my sin, I would never have known that coveting was wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death, so we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Tell your neighbor, the trouble's with me. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. This is real encouraging so far. I'm really glad that I came to church today. Hold, hold on. Tell your neighbor, hold on. I don't really understand myself. I, I, I can relate to this so much, and I think you will too. I don't really understand myself, for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm really not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Are you still with me? Mostly? You're mostly there? All right. I'll make it clearer than the mud that it is right now here in just a moment. I have discovered that this principle of life is in effect that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This is, this is where it happens, okay? The power of sin is what, the, the open door for the power of sin to affect our lives is right here, right here. The battle, uh, the, the battle of the mind, the, the fight of the mind. This is what often tries to get in the way of this and this being believing in God's word, believing what his word said and having faith to step into what he's called us to. Okay. Are you still with me? I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Tell your neighbor, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see, so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Chapter 8, verse number 1. Pastor, this is a lot of reading. Are you going to preach? Yes, I am. Verse number 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Belong to Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor, I belong. I belong to Christ Jesus. I once belonged to my sinful nature. I once belonged to this world, but I have been born again and I belong to Christ. I am no longer my own. I belong to him. 
because I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to him. Come on, somebody. So he says this, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. This is the battle. This is the struggle. This is the struggle. The struggle is between this and this. The struggle is between knowing what God's Word says, knowing what God's law says, but not having the confidence and the belief to walk in obedience to what God has established. And here's the reality. Without Jesus, it's impossible. This is, this is the Word. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it, declare it. If, for if you live by it, it's, it dicta, its dictates you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All right, I'm going to stop right there. The struggle that we face, the struggle that we are up against in the church today and the body of Christ today is the battle between sin and holiness. Sin and holiness. Now hear me, when I talk about holiness, don't, don't run for the door. Okay? The Word, God's Word tells us, God, God Himself tells us to be holy as I am holy. God calls you and I to holiness. God calls you to holiness. God calls me to holiness. The reason that God calls us to holiness is it's because it's only through the holiness of God that we experience the powerful presence of God. It's how we experience the manifestation of God's glory and how we experience the manifestation of God's goodness in our life. If I'm not walking in the holiness of God, I can't experience the tangible power and presence of God. So the enemy fights for me to give into what my mind is controlled by, what my mind is focused on, versus what I know God has said and what His Word says in my heart. Because if I'm not careful, I will try to rely on my own power or my own strength or my own ability rather than the power and the strength and the ability of what God calls me to. So the struggle, this is what happens. The struggle that begins to take place, the struggle that begins to take effect in our life is that the enemy begins to get us into a place of condemnation. 
Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what happens is the enemy gets you and I caught up in this struggle between knowing that the Word of God says this is sin, and sin separates me from God, and if I don't make a change, if I don't make an adjustment, if I don't do something different, then I'm, gonna, then I'm not going to be able to experience the holiness, the goodness, the power, the goodness of God, and so I've got to try to make some changes, and I've got to try to make some adjustments. The problem is, is that you and I can't win the struggle. We can't win the struggle. We have to stop trying. Tell your neighbor, stop trying. Stop trying to win the struggle. Stop trying to win the fight. Stop trying to win the battle. You and I will never win the struggle. We'll never win it. Why? Because we cannot on our own fulfill what the Word of God says. And we will not meet the righteous requirements of the law. And we should stop trying because they've already been met anyway. They were met in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And so if, I, if, I, if I'm not careful, I will give in to the lies of the enemy and the deception of the enemy that says I have to keep this struggle up. I have to keep this fight up. Instead, what I have to do is recognize, I have to realize the revelation of what God has given me. The Lord has called me to walk in the freedom and the Lord has called me to walk in the victory that was sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ and to walk into the power and the authority that he's, that he's called me to as his son, as his daughter, and the and the plans and the purposes that he's established and that he's, and that he's called me too long ago. Because if I'm not careful, I will get so caught up in the struggle that I will rob myself of walking and the revelation and the insight and the direction that God has given me. And I will continue to repeat the same cycle over and 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 over again in my life. If you're tired of repeating the same cycle over and over and over and over and over again, then stop trying. If you, keep, if you and I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and we keep getting the same result, it's the definition of what? Insanity. Insanity. Why? Because what we're doing isn't working. God, God sent the law, gave the revelation of the law of God. God gave it, but we were not able to do it on our own. So He sent Jesus to be the perfect Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And by doing so, He sent His Spirit so that we would experience the power to walk in victory over sin. The grace of God empowers us to live in the holiness that God has called us to. Grace is not an excuse for us to dismiss the sin that the Holy Spirit reveals in our life. Amen? If the Holy Spirit shows me that there's something that's out of alignment with His Word and I don't address it and I don't respond to it, then what will happen is I will continue to repeat the same cycle over and over again. But if the Holy Spirit brings conviction to my life and I walk in the humility and I walk in the insight and the revelation that God has given me, what will happen is, is I will step into the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in victory over sin, realizing that I can't do it on my own. But the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me. And if the Spirit of Christ that raised Him from the dead can raise Him from death, then it can raise me from every sin. It can raise me from every struggle. It can raise me from every attempt of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy in my life. And I can walk in the confidence and the boldness of knowing that my victory is not found in myself by my own merits or my own understanding, but by the revelation and the insight of Christ. There's a difference in our life as believers between struggling and suffering. We have to realize the difference between struggling and suffering. 
Because hear me, if you're not careful, you'll walk, out of this, you'll walk out of this sanctuary today, you'll walk out of this time that we had today, and you'll say, well, bless God, I don't, have to, I don't have to struggle anymore. And if you're not careful, you'll blur the two together. There's a big difference between struggling and suffering. Okay? Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this life you'll face many trials. You'll suffer many trials. You'll experience many things. But there's a big difference between struggling and suffering. Struggling, struggling means that I'm trying to work to attain the victory, that I'm trying to work to attain to overcome. Suffering means that the victory has already been won, but I'm waiting until the full fulfillment of what God has established in my life. That's why Jesus finished John 16, 33 by saying, take heart, I've overcome the world. Victory has already been won. I'm going to go through some things. I'm going to face some things. I'm going to face some challenges, but I don't have to struggle in the moment because I know who I am and I know who God's called me to be and I know what God's word has said, what God's word has sealed, what God's word has purposed for my life. So I may suffer some things in this life, but I don't have to struggle with the things that I suffer through because I already know that the victory's won. This is why Paul and Silas, when they were thrown in to prison weren't struggling with the reason why. The enemy always wants us to take anything that happens in our life that is bad, that's not what we define as good, and wants us to begin to struggle with why these things are happening. I don't have to struggle with why these things are happening. I know why these things are happening because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy because his fate has already been decided and his future has already been written and there's the curse of sin that's still on this world. I don't have to struggle with the why. I already know the why. The why is because I'm living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I've said yes to what His Word and what His plan and what His purposes and His promises are for me, and the enemy wants to do whatever he can to try to detract and to try to distract from that, but what I'm choosing to do is remain in the full confidence of what God has said, that He's already overcome death, hell, and the grave. He's already defeated the enemy, so I don't have to play the mind games that the enemy wants to play when I'm walking through a trial, when I'm walking through a struggle, when the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin or something in my life that's not in alignment with his word, I don't have to go through the struggle because the struggle's already been overcome. All I have to do is respond in obedience because my trust is in the Lord. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. My future is set in him. There is nothing in this world that can keep me from what God has established, for what God has planned, and for what God has purposed. The enemy wants you and I to struggle because if he can keep you and I in that struggle, then he can rob us of walking in the power and walking in the miracles and walking in the revelations and the fulfillments of what God God has planned and what God has established. But when I choose not to give in to the distractions of the enemy and the deceptions of the enemy and remind him the victory has already been won in the word of God. My, my life has been sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Then while I may suffer some things, while I may go through some things in this life, I don't have to fear what tomorrow holds. I don't have to fear what the future holds. Because I already know what the future holds. I already know what the future is. My future is Jesus Christ. My future is eternity with Him. And when I'm walking in obedience to what His Word says, then I walk in the revelation and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to experience His glory and His goodness in my life in ways like never before. God has called us called us and God is calling us as his church to wake up and to stop struggling with the same old things that we've been struggling with and to walk in the victory that God 
has called us to and the purpose that God has established for us and the power that he's given us through his spirit to overcome sin and to walk in the empowerment of his Holy Spirit to see his kingdom come and to see his will being done. When I walk in obedience to what the word says, I walk in and I step into the hope and I step into the freedom and I step into the joy and I step into the peace that God has sealed, that God has purposed, that God has intended for my life. So how do I, how, how do I, how do I walk in the victory that God has called me to? How do I stop struggling? How do I step into the revelation that the struggle is over? Number one, recognize that the struggle is sin. The struggle is sin. Is there sin in my life? Is there sin in my life? Holy Spirit, examine my heart, examine my life. Is there sin in my life? What is sin? We could go around this room and we could shout out all the definitions that we have in this room of what sin is. Sin is what separates us from the Lord. Sin is what keeps us from His presence. Sin is what keeps us from walking in the power and the anointing that He's given us as His people. Sin is not all of the things that you and I can list off of of the things that we think sin is. Sin is disobedience to God. If I am disobedient to what the Holy Spirit has told me to do, then I am walking in sin. Right? So if I'm walking in disobedience, then I'm walking in sin, and I'm robbing myself of the revelation and the truth of what God has called me to because the struggle is sin. But the struggle of sin has already been overcome through Jesus Christ through what he did on the cross. So when, I, when the Holy Spirit reveals to my heart that there's something in my life that's out of alignment with what God's word is, I don't have to give in to condemnation, which says you should be ashamed, you can never walk in freedom, you can never walk in victory, you can never experience the power and the presence and the miraculous things of God because this is what you've done and this is what you've said and this is who you've been. No, 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 no. As a believer in Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation because the righteous requirements of the law have been met in Christ so when I walk in repentance, when I humble myself before the Lord, when I respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, sin's power is broken. Sin is powerless at the name of Jesus Christ. Sin is powerless and has no power and has no authority over your life. It has no power and it has no authority over the church because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when the Holy Spirit convicts and we respond in repentance, what happens is, is we experience the covering of God's blood. We experience the restoration of God's word in our life. And we begin to walk in the freedom that God has purposed us to. We begin walking in victory over sin over the attempts of the enemy to get us to walk in the same sin that we have in the past and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. How, how, how do I walk in the victory that God has called me to through obedience? Tell your neighbor, you got to obey. Obedience is the key to walking in victory. Obedience is the key to walking in victory. If I'm not obeying the word of God, if you're not obeying the word of God, we are robbing ourselves of the victory that we already have in Christ. The victory is already there. Tell your neighbor, the victory is already there. 
The victory is already there. It's been sealed through what Christ has done. So what happens in my life is when I begin to walk in obedience to what God's word says, and then I begin to align myself with what his, word has, what his word has declared, and I begin to reap, I begin to experience the blessings and the benefits of what God has established for me as his son, as his daughter. Because if I'm going to walk in the victory that God has called me to, I've got to step into the identity that God has given me. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. If you have accepted the free gift of salvation, if you have accepted the free gift of God's grace and of God's mercy, then His Holy Spirit will empower you. His Holy Spirit will empower me to walk in the victory that He's established for my life. But I have to stop recognizing myself as the old person that I was and recognize myself as God has called me and as God has established me to be. I have to stop going back over and over and over and over again the same things that I was before. I got to stop going back and trying to march around Jericho when the walls have already fallen. I've got to stop trying to slay the giant when the giant's already been slayed. I got to stop looking for fights and stop looking for things that have already been defeated, that have already been overcome by the precious blood of the lamb. We don't have time as the church to keep going around the same mountains. We don't have time in the church to keep going around the same things that we've been going around and doing the same things that we've always done. The world is dying and going to hell and they need Jesus. And we have been placed as his witnesses on the earth to walk in the power and to walk in the authority and to walk in the anointing that he has called us to to tell people God loves you. He wants to set you free. He wants to show you the hope and the joy and the freedom and the blessings that are found only in him. And he wants you to know that there is a future, that there is a hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade that's secured in heaven for you. You don't have to live in this misery any longer. You don't have to live in this chaos any longer. You don't have to ride the crazy train of this life and of this world any longer. You can walk in the freedom and the joy and the victory that God has established and experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. No, I'm not saying that there won't be troubles and I'm not saying that there won't be hardship, but what I am saying is the struggle is over. See, the struggle in this life is that I've got to reach this point. I've got to attain this certain goal. I've got to reach this certain measure. If I can get this job, if I can have this career, if I can have this house, if I can have that car, if I can have that much money, if I can have that much status, if I can have that many followers, if I can have that much influence, if I can have that much impact. But friends, God's not called us to chase after those things. God's called us to chase after Him because when we're chasing after Him, we find everything that we need. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding a joy that's inexpressible and full of glory because we're walking in obedience to what His Word has said, what His Word has established, what His Word and His plans and His purposes are for our life, and we experience the victory that Christ sealed for us that no matter what tomorrow holds, I don't have to worry about it. My future is set. My future is sealed. My future is found in Christ. So I have to stop walking into the old identity that I had as someone of this world and step into the identity that God has given me as a son, that God has given me as a daughter, and no longer walk in the struggle of what God, of what this world wants me to struggle with, but walk in the victory that God has established and that God has purposed for my life. We are the sons and daughters of God. 
We've been called, we've been established, we've been purposed for such a time as this. So when we stop trying to fight the same old battles and we stop trying to go over the same old things, we experience the freedom that God has for us. Sin enslaves us to the hopelessness and the despair of this world, but the Spirit of God sets us free from the lies and from the tactics of the enemy, from the traps of the enemy, and gives us the ability to walk in the freedom that God has called us to. To walk in victory of this over the struggle that we face, we, we have to stop relying on our own strength. We have to stop relying on our own strength. God has not called us to rely on our own strength. God has called us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I can't do it. I can't convince somebody to believe in Jesus. I can't convince somebody to walk in the power of of the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of God can. I can't convince someone that, that, they, that, they, that they need the truth, the revelation, the Word of God, but the Spirit of God can. So what I can do as a believer is I can pray. I can fast and I can pray and I can respond in obedience to what God tells me to do and I can go when He tells me to go and I can give when He tells me to give and I can serve when He tells me to serve and I can send that text or make that call or extend that invitation or do those things that God has called me to in obedience to what His Holy Spirit is leading me what His Holy Spirit is leading me to do living led by the Spirit and not by the flesh not by my own desires but by His Word says therefore experiencing the freedom that God has for me and opening the door and making a way for others to experience that same freedom and experience that same joy and experience that same hope and experience the victory that God has established and that God has purposed. Because in this life, God has not called us to live constantly struggling. God has called us to walk in the victory of what He's intended and what He's purposed for our lives. How do we step into the freedom that God has for us? It's through obedience is through walking in the identity that God has given us and knowing that struggling and suffering are not the same things. I love this in Romans chapter 8 in verse in verse number 18 he says yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. For all creation is eagerly awaiting the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. I love this in verse 24 he says we were given this hope when we were saved if we have already if we if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? 
when I step into the victory of what God has called me to, when I realize that the struggle is over, that I do not have to give in to sin, that I do not have to live for the desires or for the things of this world, but walk in obedience to what the Word of God says, not on my own strength, not on my own merit, but on the power of the Holy Spirit, then what happens is I begin to walk in the revelation, and I begin to walk in the insight that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Or as His Word says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. They're directed by the Lord. So I can stop trying to figure out what's next, and I can stop trying to figure out how all the pieces of the puzzle are going to come together. You ever put a puzzle together? You ever wondered how all those pieces are going to come together? I've got one at my house on my dining room table. I did have. I moved it because we have life group tonight. And I didn't want you to mess up my puzzle. Because this is one of the hardest puzzles that I've ever done. Every piece looks the same. You ever put one of those puzzles together? Every color is the same. And it's worse for us guys because we don't see the colors that women see. You know, they can be like, well, that's this shade of pink. All I see is pink. That's this shade of blue. All I see is blue. There's just one blue. There's one pink. There's not 15 shades of pink. There's not 15 shades of blue. God didn't give us that. It's scientifically proven. We cannot see the colors that women see. God did that for a reason. So when your wife tells you that it doesn't match, it doesn't match. Okay? Just listen to her. She's right. You're wrong. Change your clothes. Otherwise, everyone's going to be like, did you see what he was wearing? Putting a puzzle together is a lot like trying to figure out how the things of our life and how the things of what God's Word are in our life are going to happen. But you know what's amazing is that when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we walk in obedience to what God's Word says, the pieces come together perfectly at just the right time, just the way that God intended and just the way that God purposed for our life. And so when we stop trying to make it happen on our own and we just simply follow the Holy Spirit and God's perfect timing, He brings a resolution to every problem, to every situation, to every circumstance we face in our life. And when it's done, the masterpiece that God designed, the original design, the original purpose that God had intended, we're able to look back and go, wow, okay, I'd have never done it the way that God did it. But had God not done it the way that he did it, I would have never walked in the fulfillment of what God had purposed and what God had planned from the very beginning. God's plans are perfect. So when I'm walking in victory and the struggle's over, I'm not worried about all of those things. I'm walking in the revelation of what God has for us. Secondly, God's for us. Who can be against us? Tell your neighbor, God's for you. One of the biggest lies of the enemy and one of the biggest deceptions he'll get you to buy into is that God is not for you. There is no one that is more for you than God himself. There is nobody that is more for you than the creator of heaven and earth. God is for you. You know how I know God's for you? Because he sent his son to die for you. He sent his son to die for you. Jesus died on the cross because he's for you, because he wants you, because he loves you, because he's got a plan and a purpose for you, because he wants you to walk in the victory that God has established and that God has purposed for you and I. And when we begin to walk in that, the struggle is over because we realize that if God is for us, no one can be against us. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? Who dares to accuse Accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own. No one, for God himself, has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting at the place of honor at the right hand of God, pleading for us. Not only... Not only, do God, not only does God work everything out for our good, not only is he for us, but now Jesus, who died for us, is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, praying for us. 
I, I, I'm telling you, I've had some incredible men and women of God in my life who have prayed for me, but there's no greater thing for us to know as believers than that the one who died for us is now at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf, praying for us, believing for us, pleading for us. I'm telling you, there's no greater prayer warrior for us to have in our corner than the Savior of the world. He goes on, he says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm going to face some things. I'm going to struggle. I, I'm going to struggle if I don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But I don't have to struggle any longer if I believe and walk in the victory and walk in the confidence of what Christ has established for me. It doesn't mean I won't suffer, but my suffering won't last long. My suffering won't last for eternity. My suffering won't be. In fact, the suffering will be well worth it because the word says that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ and we have a hope and a future that can't perish, spoil, or fade. So when we walk in obedience to what God has said, we reap the blessings and the benefits of what God has established. So there may be a season of suffering that I'm having to walk through right now, but it can't even begin to compare to the future that God has for me because what I have endured and what I have gone through and what I have faced is nothing compared to eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, where the enemy is once and for all sealed in the, in the lake of fire and where we walk in the, in the victory and the restoration and the full, complete fulfillment of what God has said that he would do from the very beginning of time. He says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. God has not called you and I to struggle any longer, but to walk in the victory and in the power and in the truth and the revelation of his word. The struggle is over. What does God's word say? What are you struggling with today? Is it sin? Are you, are you repeating the same thing over and over again? You know what the Word says. You love the Word of God. You love the law of God. But you're experiencing what, what, what the Word talks about when doing the same thing over and over again. Stop trying to overcome that on your own. Walk in the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit that walks in victory over sin and that gives you and I the freedom to be who God has called us to be as sons and daughters. Are you, are you, are you struggling with something that you've suffered? Are you struggling with something that you've suffered? You've been through something. How many of you have been through something in this room? You've walked through some things. You've endured some things. You've had some long nights, some long seasons. Some of you are in some long nights and some long seasons right now. Listen, don't let the enemy deceive you into believing that what you have suffered is something that you need to struggle with. God's not called you and I to struggle with what we suffer or what we have suffered in our lives. That's a trap of the enemy to get you and I to be powerless against the enemy today and, be, and, and powerless as witnesses who God has called us to be for this season and for this hour. What you and I have suffered, what you and I are suffering, God wants to bring healing. God wants to bring freedom. God wants to reveal to you and I today that we are more than conquerors, that we are victorious in Christ Jesus.
How? How do I do all of that? By walking in obedience to what God has said and by receiving of the Holy Spirit in my life. So here's what I want us to do today. I just want to ask everyone, if you will, to stand. We are more than conquerors. We are victorious. There is a, there is a strategy of the enemy, a strategy of hell today, that wants to get you and I to buy into the lie uh, that we um, are defeated and that we are powerless. As believers and as the church, tell your neighbor today, you are not defeated. Tell your neighbor, you are not powerless. If you believe in Jesus... If you believe in the Spirit of God and the presence of God and the power of God, you are not defeated. You are not powerless. It is a tactic of the enemy to get the church today to buy into the lie that when we pray, nothing happens, that when we believe, nothing changes, that when we walk in obedience to what God's Word says, that we don't see the fulfillment of His promises. But friends, I'm here to tell you today, I am living proof, I am a witness to the fact that when we walk in what the Word says in our lives, we reap and we receive the blessings and the benefits of what God has established for us. His Spirit is very much still being poured out today. His presence is still being made manifest today. God is still saving. He is still healing. He is still delivering. He is still providing. He is still blessing. He is still fulfilling. His kingdom is still coming, and His will is still being done. And it will be, as His word says, and not a single thing in or out of this world can change that. None. So this morning, here's, here's what I want us to do. If you're in this room and you've been struggling with sin in your life and you've been having a fight to walk in victory over it, I want you to come down front this morning and I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you have suffered or you are suffering through something and it has turned into a battle in your mind and you are struggling with that and you are not, you are not experiencing the victory and you are not experiencing the freedom that God has called you to in your mind, then I want to pray over you this morning. If that's you, I want you to make your way down front. If you're joining us at home today, right there in that room, I just want you to begin to cry out to the Lord. I want you to begin to tell God, listen, if there's a sin that's in my life, Lord, I repent of it in the name of Jesus. God, I walk in the victory that your word gives me over sin. Sin has no authority. It has no power over the enemy. So Lord, I repent and I humble myself before you today. And God, I thank you for the victory. I thank you for the, for the fulfillment of what your word establishes for my life. Then if you're, if you're joining us online today, if, you're, if, you're, if you've suffered something or you're suffering through something right now, I just want you to begin to release that to the Lord. I want you to begin to give that to the Lord. Here's what God's Word says. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are weighed down and overwhelmed by what it is that you've been walking through, by what it is that you've been dealing with, the enemy has tried to do everything that he can to yoke you with something that God never intended for you to be yoked with. A yoke, a yoke in Bible times, what Jesus was talking about, was something that they would put over uh, the oxen that, that would plow the fields, that would tread the grain, that would do the things that needed to be done, the daily tasks. we got tractors for that now. Some of you feel like you got a tractor on your shoulders. 
God has come to say that that yoke is not, and God never intended for that yoke to be heavy. God never intended for you to be heavy burdened. When you have something that's heavy that you're carrying with you, it doesn't take very long for you to get exhausted. It doesn't take very long for you to get tired. If you're not used to carrying a child around, pick up a child that weighs 30 pounds and carry them for two miles. And tell me at the end if you're not weary. Why? Because you have, there's muscles that you haven't used and you're carrying that child. The same, is the, the same is true with things in our life. We pick things up that we suffer through, that we walk through, that God never intends for us to carry. And what happens is it becomes a struggle in our life. And we begin allowing the enemy to tell us that, that, that God is, is, is not in or God cannot use or that God was not present or that there was X, Y, Z that was happening. And the enemy tries to use those things that we have suffered to try to take our mind off of Jesus and off the future that God has established for us so that we're caught up in the pain, so that we're caught up in the frustration, so that we're caught up in the moment. What Paul and Silas did when they suffered for being obedient to what God had told them to do is they worshiped the Lord. 